Welcome to the podcast version of Taproot TV, where weekly we share with you information for root cause analysis to analyze and fix the real root causes of problems at your company. Working together, we are all changing the way the world solves problems. So let's get straight to this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Taproot TV. I'm Benna Hughes and I'm here today with Mark Paradise. Mark, we're going to talk about a a topic that you are very well versed in. Yes. You have a lot of experience in it. You Are you trying to say I'm a deviant? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Excellence is your key. Okay, that's good. I like that. I like that better. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, the normalization of deviation. Yes, yes. And it's an incredibly interesting topic. I heard you speak a couple of weeks ago at the Human Error course at the pre-summit. And it was a it was a good part of that course. Um, explain to us a little bit about first. Uh, there was a Harvard Business School article. Yeah, this is something I ran yeah. into. I ran into this article from Harvard Business School called "Does One Bad Apple Spoil the or Can One Bad Apple Spoil the Whole Bunch or Does One Bad Apple Spoil the Whole Bunch?" And and it was about um, normalization of deviation, but about financial advisors, mm-hmm. dishonest financial advisors. And what they found is when they brought in a, a dishonest financial financial advisor, somebody who's going to sell you stocks you don't really need, somebody who's going to sell you life insurance you don't really need or annuity contracts you don't really need, that that spreads throughout the rest of the group rather than having a really good guy spread his good practices throughout the group. So the one bad apple mm-hmm. did tend to ruin the whole bunch. Well, and the others are having to make up for the, that bad person. They're always having to resell themselves, well, the positive aspects. No, besides that, it, he gets ahead of them because yeah. he's willing to do anything, and then their bosses push them to do anything, and it tends to make the, oh, whole, that's true. It tends to make the whole group worse rather than, oh, I see last week you punched a bunch of stocks that didn't really do good. Um, you shouldn't do that. That's not what happens. So it changes culture in a really bad way. It changes culture in a bad way. One bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. And that was the, the point of the article. And I thought it was really interesting that they sort of had proof of this. And, and it tells you in the article how they proved this. But but I started thinking, you know, that got me thinking about normalization and mm-hmm. deviation. And my experience, um, which is I was in the nuclear Navy, and an experience I had in the nuclear Navy, not where I encouraged deviation, but where I got brought in to a group that had sort of gone astray, if you will. Mm-hmm. They had they had a leader, a division officer, who had, he was a really smart guy. He was a really smart guy, and he did really, really genius kind of guy, but he didn't follow the rules. And he sort of thought that rules didn't apply to him because he was so smart. Right. And, and that, that, once again, one bad apple, people who worked for him started then breaking the rules until, and they, maybe they weren't as smart, but that wasn't the point. The point is, just because you're smart doesn't mean you can break the rules. Does that exactly. make sense? So he was breaking the rules, and I got brought in to sort of fix the division. Mm-hmm. I was experienced. I came in, and the first thing I did was start enforcing the rules. Mm-hmm. And, and then I got the senior leadership on that division, so it would be your chiefs and your petty officers, first class petty officers and chiefs. And I went to them and said, Chief, what, what are you doing here? Why is this this way? And he goes, well, you know, the last guy, I said, I'm not the last guy. 
we're going to start enforcing the rules and I need your help doing it. And they were like, oh, thank goodness. Because we didn't, you know, we'd sort of you been... You could go be the bad guy. Yes, we, we've been left out up to this point. You know, we really felt like yeah. we'd lost our leadership position wow. because he was encouraging people to break the rules and we couldn't do anything about it because that's because, the way he was. Right. And so within, this is going to sound strange thing, within about less than a month, let's just say less than a month, Yeah. We changed the culture of that small organization, that small part of it. And it was easy to do somewhat because the rest of the culture around us supported that. Right. But, but it still was a dramatic change in a relatively short period of time. And, and I think it made a big difference. Well, and it's in, it's in a uh, basically a culture where, you know, leadership is people do follow their leadership. Yep. Um, that's not always the case uh, in a lot of companies. Well, but it all depends on that company's uh, culture, doesn't it? Exactly. And it's like the same, what they say, the weak, you're only as strong as the weakest link. Yep. And, and that was kind of, sounds like what that was. Um, so you're kind of teaching this in that human error course, uh, stopping human error course. So what's the guidelines to get people to move from that normalization of deviation to the normalization of excellence? Okay, so I, I wrote a whole article on that. Uh, let me tell you the end of the story first. Okay. Right? Before, we, yes. before we go off on how did Rick overdo what he did, um, I think it's important to hear the end of this lesson learned. So um, I, I don't even remember the guy's name, but he, was, he came off of that division officer and he went into doing his... Um, qualification as an engineer and you took a couple weeks to study and then you went off to the engineer's exam and uh, to make to make sense of this I need to tell you my Admiral Rickover story okay. okay so when I when you when you get accepted into the program you have to go do a series of things to be accepted in the Navy new program you have to go take a four-hour test this and, and you're coming out of college I was a college <laughs> senior I didn't know anything right and so you have to go take a four-hour test and it tests physics and math and engineering kind of curriculum stuff. And then you go do three interviews with the smartest people you've ever met. These are people on Rickover staff, and they're just super genius kind of people. And they ask you questions, and you have to answer. Yeah. And in college, you don't get a lot of experience doing that because, you know, you take tests. Right. But you don't get a lot of interview experience. Well, you're in rooms with a lot, a lot of other students. Yeah, yeah, and you don't get, well, your professors are probably yeah. pretty smart guys, but they never one-on-one yeah. -on -one no. interview you, right? So you don't mm -hmm. get any of that. So that was real different. And then you go have your admiral interview. And mine was on the second day. So I got over to the second day. And um, you go in there on the second day, and you go into a room, and they're giving you a constant briefing on what you can and can't do when you see the admiral. And there are things like, he says... Okay, when you go in to see the Admiral, he's going to ask you questions, and he wants real answers. He doesn't want no excuse, sir. You say no excuse, sir, he's going to throw you out of his office. So don't say no excuse, sir. And, uh, oh, by the way, you're going to have somebody go in with you, and they're going to follow you in, and they're going to sit in a chair directly behind you, directly behind you, and you're not going to say anything to them. You're not going to say anything to the Admiral. You're not to say anything until the Admiral speaks to you. When the Admiral speaks to you, he'll ask you questions. You answer the questions. Just answer the questions. Don't volunteer a lot of information. They, one of the things he said, he said, he asked you if you're married, just say yes or no. Yes or no. That's an answer to that question. I said, okay, okay. So I'm sitting there listening to all this. No pressure. I heard, I heard the talk about three or four times, and then they said, but Jim and Paradise. And I stood up and went with my guide who walked behind me yeah. into the office. And the first thing I remember was, 
my goodness, this is a shabby office for an admiral. If this is the way admirals live, I don't know if I want to be in the Navy. Because <laughs> Rickmore had an old wooden desk, and it was piled up with paper, and it wasn't, it wasn't a grand office at yes. all. So I go in, and I sit down, and the first thing you notice is one of the chair legs is shorter than the other four. Or the three. And the one you're sitting in. Yeah. And yeah. so it leans backwards or forwards. It either tips forwards, you're sitting in the chair like this, or it leans backwards, so you're sitting in the chair like this. And so I was leaning backwards and sitting up really straight, and I started looking around. And, and the guy sitting behind me, and I, it makes you sort of weird to have the guy mm-hmm. sitting right I'm behind sure. you. It's a little strange. And I'm looking at Rick over, and he's got these papers, and he's pulling papers off one stack and reading them and signing some stuff, mm-hmm. putting them in this stack doing things, and finally he pulls his folder off a stack, and he opens it up, and I think, oh, that's my folder. He's looking at my stuff, and he's looking at it, and he looks up at me, and looks at me, and he goes, Midshipman Paradise, I see here you got lots of C's at the University of Illinois. Can you tell me why you did so poorly? And I'm like, oh, oh gosh. No. no, I'm like, gosh, he didn't ask about that D or that E. Okay. Those would have been a lot harder to explain. And I said, well, sir, uh, electrical engineering at the University of Illinois is a difficult curriculum, and that's all the better I can do. And he looked at me, and he said, all right. He looked down again. He looked up at me, and he said, are you married? And I said, no, sir. He said, are you engaged? And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, did your fiancé ever tell you you're good-looking? And that was just so like... <laughs> this is a bizarre interview. What am I... What is he asking? The old, creepy old admiral over there, you know? And he's about 80 years old at this point, right? And I'm like, what in the world is this about? And I, I, it really just blew me away. And I, I thought, well, how do you answer this question? And I finally said... I sort of repeated it back to him. I said, well, I thought it meant that she really liked the way I looked. And... And he said, no, Midshipman Paradise, you're wrong. <laughs> and then I had my best answer of the day. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and he goes, what she meant was she wanted to marry you. And I want you to go back and ask her what she meant and write me a letter and tell me what she meant, what she says she meant. Will you do that for me? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, get out of my office. And that was the end of my interview. You just probably came out of there... Like, what just happened? Well, I came out of there thinking I need to write a letter to the end. Exactly. So when I got back, I asked my fiance what she said, and she didn't have a really good answer. But I wrote down what she yeah. said, sent it back to him, and I was good. So what you don't know is when you go back to have your interview with the Admiral as an engineer exam, the first thing they ask you when you walk in to get your order signed is, do you have any outstanding correspondence with the Admiral? Mm-hmm. So when I did that, they said, um, and I said, no. And they, they flip open this book and they look you up. Mm-hmm. And she said, yes, I see here that you wrote your letter to the Admiral. Mm-hmm. You're good to go. And I was off nut. When this guy walks in, the guy who was the break the rules guy, um, they said, do you have any outstanding correspondence? He said, no. And they opened up the book and they said, oh, no. You've got 18 letters you owe the Admiral. Oh, wow. And he wants to know, do you want to sit down and write them now? Or do you want to tell him why it's not important when the Admiral wants you to correspond with him? And he said, I'd rather go meet with the Admiral. So that was the end of his career. He got denuked. He got kicked out of the nuclear Navy. And that was the end of his nuclear Navy career because when he went to talk to the Admiral, the Admiral said, basically, you're out of here. Yeah. And, And I think that was... 
one way. I mean, you might think, mm-hmm. well, that's crazy, but what Admiral Rickover liked to do was guys from the Naval Academy. He had a real rough time in the Naval Academy, and he um, he was a Jewish guy. When, he was the only Jewish guy in the Naval Academy, and he took a lot of grief for it while he was there. So he liked to give midshipmen from the Naval Academy a lot of grief, and he'd ask them the question about why didn't you get better grades at the Naval Academy? And sometimes they'd say, well, if I would have studied harder, I would have got better grades. You'd say, okay, what I want you to do is go back and make a list of your courses. And every day, I want you to write down how many hours you spend in those courses and studying for those courses. And then what grades you got in those courses. And send me a letter every week that tells me that information. How many hours you were in class, how many hours you studied, um, and what grades you got in that course. Will you do that for me? And they say, yes. Then they go back and maybe they do one or two weeks and they stop doing it. Mm. And that's when they get 18 weeks worth of didn't write their letters. Wow. And and they're in trouble with the admiral sure. then. So that's what his problem was. And he, he it was he didn't like to follow the rules. For me, it was only one letter, so it was a lot easier. Well, you answered correctly. I answered correctly. <laughs> answering correctly well, and, without an excuse, and the other And the other thing about it was he had a master's degree in electrical engineering, mm-hmm. and he thought that was really hard. So the fact that I had a hard time in electrical mm-hmm. engineering didn't seem that bad to Admiral right. Rickover. And therefore, it wasn't, a bad, yeah. it wasn't a bad answer. You know, But it, it was really interesting how that thought that he could see through this guy he could see that he didn't want him in his program, and he got rid of him. Well, he had, he had developed his own tests over the years, yeah, sounds like. Yeah. So, wow, that's a, I mean, it's I'm a sorry. great story. So you were asking me this other question. It's a long uh, answer. It's to a it. great story, though. It's one that is just captivating. I just love it. And, and it gets back to um, the stuff we talked about mm-hmm. in the Stopping Human Error course of conservative decision-making and how you set yourself up to have normalization of excellence rather than normalization of deviation, how Rick overdid it. Sure. Which is what we talk about for, yeah, it's a pretty good sizable piece of that course. It is. The, the normalization of deviation, how you prevent that, and the conservative decision-making and how you get people to do that. And so I try to bring that experience in the nuclear Navy into the course so that other people can sort of see how do we apply this where we work. Mm-hmm. Well, and setting those expectations, you know, I remember you talking about the, the people that were you were in charge of. They learned to know that if you were going to show up at any given time, I mean, they, they were to do their job at all times and at a certain level at all times. Yes, you and, could and show it's important. Up, right. And, and the, uh, I think an important thing is whenever we had inspections, we were ready because we lived our life in that kind of mode that we wanted to be ready all the time. We wanted to have our best foot forward all the time. So when you got inspected, well, it wasn't something new you had to prepare for. You were prepared for it because that's the way you lived. Yeah, I think that's great. And and people know what to expect and know what to do. Then yeah. when, when those things get lax, people don't know what to do. They don't know what to and do. People like leadership. They, they like, I don't know, this is going to sound sort of weird. It's sort of like your kids. Mm-hmm. They want you to make rules for right. them. If you don't make rules for them, then it's like, well, what am I supposed to exactly. do? Exactly. And some, and it's one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. It, the behavior tends to go to the worst. It does. When it doesn't have guidance rather than going to the best. And it's not because they mean to do that. It just becomes, that's what the culture becomes. Yes. And the standards start decreasing. And yes. So that's why you want to... The normalization of excellence. Yes, which is the, which is the whole point. But, and, and if you want to read more about Rick Over and normalization of excellence, we'll put a link. There's a seven-part article um, that I wrote a little while ago, mm-hmm. and it's got 
seven parts. Yep. <laughs> and there's a there's a, a page the link goes to that tells you what those seven parts are and how they fit together and how they can help you normalize excellence rather than normalize deviation or deviance yeah. is another way sometimes people say that. But it's a good it's a good read and helpful information. Yeah, so and then we'll if, they, if they're really interested in that, they can come to our course that's coming up in September. Yes. Long time away, but start planning for it this now. This will be a public course. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. That's the time we don't have those specialty public courses. Yes, so, so we do. So we're going to have one in September, and we're going to have another one in December, and then we'll have another one before the summit in... June, June of next year. Yes. yes, June of next year for the summit. Yeah. So that'll be great. Well, I took the course. I highly recommend that people take it. Um, and you have your book as well. But the course is, it was two two days of fantastic information. Thank you. Um, I think I came out of it learning a lot, and I feel like everybody else did too. So yep. um, look on our website for that information. Um, we we'll are, put a course link in there yeah, also. Yeah, so we'll do that. We'll the make it, description of the course. We like to make it easy for people, don't yep. we? Um, we will definitely do that in the comments. We'll put those links to the articles and to the course. So, And we'll put out more information as it com- comes along. Um, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Ben. I, I, lo- I love hearing the story. It's it's in, very uh, engaging, and it sounds like you had quite the adventure. Rick Rover <laughs> stories are always fun. Let me tell you one more just as a closing story. Okay. I had a friend named Mark Franz. He went in, did his Rick Rover interview, and he was a history major. Mm-hmm. And so Rick Rover got out of him, but why were you a history major? You should have been an engineering major if you want to go into my program. I don't see why I should tell you. You don't know anything about history. Uh, tell me about this. And for Rick Rover, history was like, his life story, right? right? I mean, exactly. He, he, he asked you about something it. 60 years yeah. ago. He experienced that, right? So Great Depression, Rick over had mm-hmm. been there. So so he starts asking questions, and he gets arguments with friends. And finally, he tells uh, Mark Franz, he says, you don't know anything. Go stand in my closet and think about how much you don't know. <laughs> and so he, he gets up, and the, the escort guy leads him over the closet, opens the door. And he said, when he opened the door, there's a guy already standing in the closet. <laughs> And so he goes in and stands beside the guy in the closet, and he's like, they shut the door on me, and I'm in there in the dark with this guy in the closet. He said, I didn't say a word to him. He didn't say a word. I just stood there in the dark with him. He said, it seemed like forever. But he said it was probably like 10, 15 minutes. But, but you know, when you're standing in the dark with somebody in the oh, closet, yeah. it seems like a long <laughs> Very time. Very long time. So all of a sudden, the guy comes up, opens the door, and says, the admiral will speak to you again. Took me out of the closet, <laughs> shut the closet back on the guy who was there. He said he got kicked out of his office two or three times for, you know, they had a room they called the penalty box, which was a little tiny room, and you had to go sit in a chair in the penalty box and think about what you'd done wrong. So finally he comes in, he takes friends into the, pro- into the program, says, okay, he, he argued with him enough that he didn't give in or whatever it was Rickover was waiting for. And so at, at the end of it, friends always went, you know, and I've always been wondering what happened to that guy who was in the <laughs> closet. <laughs> Did Those are great out? stories. So, I'm thinking only in the military. Yeah, <laughs> everybody, all the nukes had, went back in the days of Rickover, had their Rickover story. Yeah. There was a guy going to write a book about him. He actually had, had you submit your stories to yeah. him. I never saw the book come out, but it was it's an interesting concept. The stories you told in the course related so well to the topic yep. that they were just perfect. Yep. So it's just so nice to see all this coming about after yep. all that those years of experience yep. and stuff. It's so. always good to share that. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you, and thank you all for joining us. Um, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell if you want to get alerts when we have new programs coming out. We do it every Wednesday around noon. And go to our website if you haven't signed up for a newsletter. Definitely sign up for a newsletter. That's how you find so out we'll about everything. They, Facebook, yes. Tamper TV, subscribe. Yes. Click the little bell yeah. because you want YouTube. to get notified. Yeah. And go to our website and get the newsletter. Then you'll get all the stuff that's exactly. on, our, on our website. That's, that's the most convenient way it to is. me to get the, the and, most and these are information. Actually, these are posted on there too every week. Yes. The last week shows up on the newsletter. So. Yeah, so you want to get that. But thank you for joining us, and we will look oh, forward to what? Podcasts. Oh, we have those too. Yeah. We're everywhere. The same contest is a, is a <laughs> podcast. So I have a lot of people at the summit telling me that that's what they do. They listen, put in their earphones at work and listen to our podcast. I'm that's like, great. Wow, that's fantastic. Yep. We appreciate it very much. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, join us back here next week, and we'll have more information for you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To view the video version of this episode, visit our YouTube channel or our Facebook page. Please visit us on our website at taproot.com for up-to-date information and blog articles designed to help you excel in your performance improvement program. And please sign up for our newsletter so you'll get the notifications of when new information is released, where we're teaching around the world and all things Taproot. We will see you next time on our podcast version of Taproot TV.